goes with Max Bayer. And the thing he's with married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He's married. Um, and I, if I remember correctly, his wife's name is also Dorothy. And Dorothy talks to Luella Parsons. And Luella brings up that Gene is seeing Max. And, you know, Dorothy goes, well, I'm not shocked. He's into glamorous women. Um, MGM gets a hold of this. And they beg Luella not to publish it. And, or at least hold off on publishing it. So they go to Jean and they say, you need to get married. (laughs) So a couple days after filming ends on Bombshell, uh, Jean marries her cameraman, Hal Rawson. She had only proposed to him about a week and a half before, and then they were married on September 18th, 1933, at roughly 4.30 in the morning in Yuma, Arizona. Yikes. Um, Hal kind of has Paul Byrne vibes. He's yeah, older. very He's much Paul so. And not um, very tall. He was a cameraman who made Jean look beautiful. He he was, and Bombshell had been the fourth movie that he had worked on with Gene. So she did have a good relationship with Hal, but the idea that they would be romantically linked, you know, is pretty shocking. But by all accounts, Hal was just really surprised and thought that she was interested in him. So he, um, so he thought the marriage was legit, that she loved yeah. him. I don't know if he thought so much that she loved him, but I think he thought I'm her rebound because you have to think too, Paul had committed suicide on September 5th of the previous year. And then just a year and a couple weeks later, she's married to Hal. So I think he kind of looked at like, I can care for Jean and she'll grow to love me. Um, Hal lived in the Chateau Marmont, which is obviously still standing. If anyone's in Los Angeles, they should definitely there's go there. There's a great book about it as well. Yeah, no, it, it's it's absolutely beautiful. I, I love just looking at it when I'm there. Um, and like Jean's previous two husbands, Hal fought quite a bit with, you know, Marino Bello and Mother Jean. Uh, he thought they were controlling. He, you know, couldn't stand how they would do things. And really stealing from Jean. Yeah, you know, and they wanted to keep Jean's house. And, you know, how, Rawson did give her smart advice and just said, you need to get out from under that home. Jean would eventually listen, but not how he wanted. And by February of 34, she had moved out of. She had moved her things out of the Chateau Marmont. Um, you know, she, Jean at this point have, has kind of a complicated love life to say the least. She does start kind of dating around and then she finally announced her separation from Hal on May 6, 1934. Um, and it was at Phil Berg's wedding. Phil Berg uh, was a press agent and, you know, Jean was the matron of honor for the bride. And she goes up to the reporters and she just says, how and I are, you know, separated. And people are just amazed. Um, I wouldn't say that it damaged her career, but it was, you know, people were clutching the pearls. So to speak. <laughs> um, anyway, oh, dear. So, <laughs> That's yeah. Funny. It, it, it just, it wasn't, you know, it was just one of those things. People, people are like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, anyway, but she finally then stepped out publicly with William Powell uh, in July of that year. Although, is, is that where she, is that when she did Reckless with him or was it prior to Reckless? It would have been prior to Reckless. And, um, she had probably met him in maybe like March of 1934, but they wouldn't start doing reckless until December of 34, but she steps out with him in July, you know, 
they're seen at the Del Monte Hotel. She insists that it's just a coincidence that they happen to, you know, book rooms that are not too far from each other. And, you know, they're seen holding hands and stuff, but she claims they're just friends. Mm -hmm. Um, December of that year, while she is filming Reckless with Pal, she files for divorce from Hal Rawson. Mm -hmm. And... This started a very complicated situation where she continuously wanted William Powell to agree to marry her. He was afraid of their age difference. He had just gotten out of three-year relationship with Carol Lombard. He had married her. They were married. Yes. Yes. They had been married for three years. Um, He got out of a relationship with her, and he didn't want to marry another blonde, you know, beautiful starlet. And he's, you know, in his 40s. Um, they, they went, you know, back and forth with each other and there, there is a very nice, you know, love story aspect and there, there's some complications towards the end, you know, when Jean's passing away, there had already been some complications in the relationship, but Pal did genuinely love Jean and he was devastated. Yes. I've seen the pictures, but, um, you know, I've heard a lot of stuff. He also gave her the Star of Sapphire ring. Mm-hmm. I heard he was also, because he's like the thin man, he he is, I love William Powell. He's one of my favorite actors. But he was a quipster as well and could be very, you know, cutting to Gene. He, he could. He could be very, you know, insulting. And, you know, sometimes she would feel like, you know, he had put the dunce cap on her. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't know how much of it was just his age difference and he wasn't thinking before he was seeing and, you know, how much was him genuinely like trying to like be hurtful. But I I wouldn't say that William Powell was a bad person, but I don't think that he was the best person at that, you know, time for Gene because they were just in two completely different places in their lives. Well, he was how old? 40. He was 42-ish. And she was 24 when she met him or 23? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's about there. It's somewhere in there. And it's just like. Not not a bad person or anything like that, you know, would never obviously claim that, but just two different places in life. And she was um, still a baby, just a little baby. And also, she, I don't think he wanted to be, a, you know, no, it's funny because men have a different view of being sort of overshadowed by their women as an mm-hmm. actor, you know, and Gene was so popular and he didn't want to go through the same thing because Carol was really coming into her own and shining as well. And I don't think, you know, I just makes me sad. I know how much you loved him. And um, did you re- read the Rosalind Russell quotes about this relationship and how G- is that when Gene started drinking? Let's put it that way. When she was with him and unhappy. Jean had been drinking for quite some time, but she started to drink more heavily around this time, especially when she would have, you know, falling, you know, when she and Pal would cool and then they would get back together and they never officially broke up. But when they would cool their affections with each other, she would drink more. Um, A lot of Jean's drinking probably stems from her controlling relationship with her mother, Uh, mother. You know, Jean constantly wanted her to get off alcohol and she would, you know, harass Jean about her drinking and everything like that. And I think there was some kind of like, well, you can't tell me what to do. I'm the one who earns the money. I think I read in the book that Jean just went off on her, all her resentments. She was drunk and her anger just exploded about her mother and the control and all that stuff. And I hope she did. You know, she's mom, Mother Jean needed to be yelled at. You know, she she really did. And, you know, the biggest thing, too, was the fact that Mother Jean had brought, you know, Bello into their lives. Didn't he make a pass at Jean at one point? He supposedly he did. Supposedly he made quite a few passes. Um, if you ever see the horrible 
five, I believe it is, Harlow movie with Carol Baker. I know there are two from that year. I've but. seen both. I was going to talk about that. <laughs> which of yeah. the two, which are horrible, there's another one with Carol Lee and Mother Jean is played by, kind of Ginger ironically, Rogers. Ginger Rogers, because her mother was the ultimate stage mother. They could not stand her at the studios. Ginger was a... Uh, her best friend, and she ruined Ginger's marriages, Lou Ayers, any of them. It was like, you know, she was playing Jean's mother and also her mother because she was so controlling with Ginger as well. Mm-hmm. No, it's just, it's a very, it's just a very complicated movie and situation with stage mothers. But with the movie, they, you know, basically have Jean begging Marino to have sex with her. And that's just absolutely. You're kidding. No, she, she Is couldn't that the, stand him. The Carol Lump, the, the Carol Baker one. Yeah, there, there's a scene. It's not, it's not like something that they hype up, but she like sits there and she basically says like, make a woman out of me, mm. which is completely asinine because when they're claiming this, you know, she would have been married three times, but, or it might be right after the burn death, actually. I think she had been married twice, but she Ick. throws herself on the floor and she tells Marino Bello, make a woman out of me. Ew. That's and why I like the Carol Lindley one better. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I did. I just watched it a couple of days ago. When it's funny, they have Ephraim Zemblis Jr. His name is William, but they have to use a fake name because William Powell's still alive. And they have mm-hmm. to use fake names for people. But it's a horrible movie. But of the two, I like that one better. It, it, it is. It's a very it's a lot better than the one with Carol Baker. I can't believe that. Oh, that she <laughs> throws herself down and telling him to make a woman out of her. Yeah, it's it's you know obviously it's like a I think two minute scene in the movie, but it's absolutely horrific. And unfortunately, that one had the bigger budget and it was filmed in color. But anyway, um, but with Bello, uh, at this point it came out William Powell. Uh, I should back up. William Powell sent a private investigator after Bellow because Bellow claimed he was investing a lot of money in some gold mines. And come to find out there were no gold mines. And part of that money was supporting a Hispanic mistress. No way. I had never read about that. Oh, my gosh. No, but part of it, um, and this story comes from Powell, so I'm assuming it's true. I would believe And uh, he, he's, you know, part of it is supporting, you know, this mistress, and then he's, you know, doing whatever he wants with it. Mother Jean finally comes to her senses. She throws him out of the Beverly Glen house. He originally won $250,000, but he agreed to $25,000 as well as paying off some of his bills. What a creep. Which, of course, this is all coming from Jean, but on paper it's coming from Mother Jean. Yeah. Um, and finally they get rid of, you know, Bello um, on September 26, 1935, when Mother Jean is granted her divorce. Um. A few months before that, though, because Mother Jean and Jean seem to do things you know, pretty often in tandem, Jean had filed for divorce and gotten her divorce from Hal Rawson, which happened in March of 35. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, you know, it's kind of a regrouping for everybody. Um, Jean starts to, you know, go out a little bit more and. You know, she's just kind of like living her best life. And also going to bars and drinking because, as Rosalind Russell said, she was uh, her friend and she said she, she would have to get Jean out of bars. Jean was getting really drunk. She, and she said she loved William Powell, but, you know, Rosalind knew he would never marry her, but she, you know, Jean would never believe that. She was yeah. frustrated. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's it's pretty understandable why she was. I mean, at this point, they would have been dating for over a year, and all of her, you know, 
ex-husband she had the longest one it had taken you know to get to marry her was chuck which was you know just a year but with pal she would have you know just had a really hard time with it and i can't say that i blame her. i don't blame her in the least i really don't did you read some of Myrna Loy's comments on her? I love the one where, you know, they go to this place, they do libel lady, and Jean wanted the, the Myrna job, but she was so great in her role um, as the other guy, and, and Gladys, right? She was great. And mm-hmm. she became friends. They, went, they were promoting the movie. They went to a hotel, and they said, we have this Mr. Myrna Powell and William Powell, because they really thought that they were married because of the thin man. Mm-hmm. And then Jane and um, Jean, you're a bad influence on me. I love <laughs> No, I'm, you're not. Jean and um, Myrna shared the honeymoon suite and stayed up all night drinking booze and having a pajama party having fun and she also you know poured her heart out to Myrna you know about William she she did and you know it it was a very complicated you know situation everyone could see that William wasn't going to marry Jean except for Jean um with the star sapphire she used to claim you know for a time that it was an engagement ring from William Powell this is pretty unlikely. Um, William Powell seemed to have the market cornered on Star Sapphires because he I saw that. He Carol, Carol Lombard. I know. I'm like, oh, how creepy. Couldn't you like? And I've also read that he was uh, tight fisted. He was not exactly a generous fella. Yeah, he just he he wasn't the best, you know, guy in a lot of aspects, but he also had a lot of redeeming qualities, too. It's just, you know, wasn't the perfect person for Gene, like some people want to think. Um, In 1936, Gene actually found herself pregnant by William Powell um, and she went she got an abortion Um, And it's unlikely that Powell ever knew about this. Mm -hmm. But even if he had, he probably would have pushed for it because he just wasn't interested in marrying her. Um, You know, and at this point, too, not not just to sound gossipy. I mean, Jean is throwing herself into her work. She's working on China Sea. She makes riffraff, wife, first secretary, you know, Susie, libel lady. You know, and then finally she gets cast into Sarasota. Um, And this is in 1937. At this point, I think it's pretty safe to say that her relationship with Powell probably wouldn't have lasted the end of the year. Um, But before we get into that, March of that year, she had to have four uh, wisdom Mm. teeth removed. And uh, it was absolutely horrible for the poor thing. They removed three of them, and Jane, or Jane, they removed three of them, and she <laughs> went into shock. She just had blood gushing from her mouth. She got septicemia, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was absolutely horrible for her. And, of course, this is before penicillin, so you can only imagine how much pain she is in. But she pulls herself together, and less than a month, you know, after this happened, she is on the Saratoga set. Um, Saratoga is an interesting movie. A lot of people like to play a game where they can see if they can spot if the person on film is Gene or Gene Double. Let me tell you, you'd have to pre pretty done. <laughs> Done. Do not know who is the body double. It is so obvious. I'm sorry if anyone's played that game. I hope you all won because it's so obvious. Well, yeah, it's like, oh, Jean's hiding behind a fan, or oh, Jean has a bell on her face. Right. Those are the ones where it's the Jean double. And also However, the dubbing as well. 
Yes, they actually had three doubles for Jean after she passed away for this movie. Um, one was an up-close facial shot, and that's the one that you see like hiding behind the fan. Mm-hmm. One was for faraway shots, and then the third one was for the voice dubbing. And it it was just... It was a very interesting movie, to say the least. Well, what makes me sad about Saratoga is... You really see how ill Jean is because she looks horrible. You see her being bloated. She has a cold on in the movie, but you can see that she really is horribly sick. One day she said to Clark Abel, I got to get out of here. And he picked her up and brought her out of there. And um, she was just sick. And to me, I know the fascination with the movie. I know everything about it. I hate the movie, but it's fascinating because it's Jean's last movie. It is, and you can really see Jean going downhill Ugh, throughout. Very the sad. Um, she starts to lose kind of the color in her face. She kind of takes on like a grayish tone. Um, obviously not severe, but you know her skin, you know, color is changing. She's, you know, like you said, she's bloating up, and of course. This ties in with kidney failure. Um, but at this point where we are, Jean is still alive, but not, Hanging in. not much longer. Yeah. Um, she started kind of going out with this guy, Don, Donald Freed. He was a publisher. Um, I they have went out. never, never, never read that. <laughs> so this um, is an it, inside scoop, guys. I've never heard this. But that doesn't mean mine ears are special, but I never heard it. Yeah, no, she um, she started going with him for a little bit. He, you know, very, she wasn't quite ready to get rid of Powell, but William Powell was dating an actress, and sadly, I can't think of her name right now. Not the but, one he married, right? No, no, it was a different one, but he was dating, you know, this, like, you know, kind of bit part actress, mm-hmm. and she starts going out with Donald Freed, yet they're still seeing each other. You know, he... William Powell was still there, but they're starting to go their separate ways. Because I guess she's finally accepting this dude ain't going to marry me. Yeah, and um, Donald was kind of a shady person, which seems to be, you know, Jean's M.O. on certain things. Um, But being I know you have the Grace book or book grace uh being i know you have the book grace if you go to page two on nine in harlow and hollywood you can see a picture of her with donald and he looks just like paul Byrne and hal rawson isn't that funny but i have to do i have to say you know for making fun of their looks and i'm not really at all i mean they're just it's like what is she doing with him but in the history of women if you see them in classic Hollywood, I mean, the difference, women don't look for the beauty. Lana Turner did. She was pretty shallow. But most don't look for the beauty in the man. They look for something else. And so, you know, it, it wasn't about the looks for so many of these gorgeous actresses. It was, it was about something else. Exactly. And, you know, it just became this, like huge you know i think that there's some complexes there but i also don't think that hollywood is goes around appearance as much as people think it does you know because they're subjected to these people and not everyone looks like you know clark gable or cary grant and do you want to marry somebody who's prettier than you that's looking in the mirror all the time and you know what i mean it i mean women don't need that to build themselves up oh i gotta get a pretty guy generally speaking some of them were shallow yes they did have to do it and lana i have to say was one of them we are going to discuss lana later on but um you know, that's, that was not their thing as much as mm-hmm. men do. And I really don't want to date somebody who's always in the mirror or, you know, <laughs> looking. Oh, I would so, go absolutely not. I really, I'd say, stop, get out of there, bud. Come on. <laughs> you know? No, I, I totally understand so it. So I don't know. I, I can't wait. I haven't gotten to that part. I haven't read this book in so long. It's a beautiful a cocktail. It's sort of a... What is it like a 
what, what do you call our things? In the middle of our our living room's coffee table. It's oh, a, the coffee table books? Yeah, like you with Jane. Um, yeah, it, it's a really good book, and it has so many beautiful pictures, but I'll have to definitely get to that one because I didn't have any clue about this guy. Oh, yeah, no. Um, he's also talked about um, quite a bit in um, Bombshell by David Sten, which to me is the definitive Harlow biography. I absolutely love it. Highly recommend it if someone wants like a regular biography of Harlow. And it really, really is cheap. great. He did a good job. and He, he did. And um, you can get reasonably because it's, you know, it's an older book. Um, as, um, back to Jean's story. I guess we should go back to that. Huh? On um, May 29th, Jean finally had enough on um, the Sarasota set. She just, did I say Sarasota? Sarasota. <laughs> I'm, I'm going nuts. So am I. Um, Welcome to the club. Um, Jean... Okay, I'll start over. On May 29th, Jean finally had, you know, enough on the Saratoga set. She got extremely ill. She fainted. She had to, you know, be escorted out. She actually went to William Powell's set where he was working and, you know, said, I'm going to, you know, go home. You know, I'm hoping I get better, blah, blah, blah. And that she would see William Powell the following day. Of course, that didn't happen because Jean was just getting weaker and weaker. So William Powell on May 30th called Mother Jean, who was vacationing on Catalina Island. And he told her it's no big deal that Jean had already seen a doctor and that they thought it was just the flu. Of course, you know, Mother Jean being Mother Jean and the baby being sick, she, you know, came back the following day. She cut her trip short, came back, and she called Dr. Ernest Fishbaugh. Fishbaugh is a very interesting person. Um, Jean had had a crush on Dr. Chapman. Um, and I want to pause here really quick because there's so many stories about Mother Jean causing Jean's death. That's absolutely not true for a couple reasons. Um, the first reason is that Mother Jean and Jean had a constant rotation of doctors. <laughs> they were always, you know, having some doctor come over. And if the baby had so much as a sniffle, Mother Jean was calling the doctor. Um, you know, and the other thing is, is that no matter how bad Mother Jean was, she really did love Jean. And she wouldn't have withheld medical care, no. obviously, from yeah. Jean. She really did. I mean, it could it was you know, overwhelming love, but not. But the biggest rumor is that because she was a Christian scientist, she with, she withheld medical treatment from Jean, and that makes her culpable in her death, which is, like you were saying, ridiculous. Exactly. And, you know, um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll go into that one because that involves Louis B. Mayer's physician. That's just, you know, a whole thing. Um but uh, Ernest Fishbaugh was a senior partner with a doctor, with another doctor named Chapman. Um, Jean supposedly had a crush on Chapman, and Chapman's new wife banned him from seeing Jean hmm. because she was jealous. And she said that he could not, you know, help Jean at all, which, I mean, it's kind of understandable. I don't know if I'd be like fine with my husband, you know, working in close quarters with Gene Harlow. It's sort of all the like time. dinner of eight, dinner at eight, right? The doctor yeah. having the affair with Gene. Yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty. I, I guess kind of understandable. But yeah. Fishbaugh comes in. He, you know, is kind of worried. He calls two good Samaritan good. Uh, he calls two nurses over from Good Samaritan Hospital. Um, their names were Catherine Lemon and Grace Temple. And Jean started getting round o'clock care at the Beverly Glen House, and this started on May thirty first. Um, by they thought that Jean was getting better, and on June 1st, it was announced that, you know, Jean would probably be out of the woods. She should be fine, you know, but, like, she was still doing badly, but not as badly as she had. On June 2nd, 
Fishbaugh ordered a bunch of equipment to come in from Good Samaritan Hospital because he didn't really think Jean was doing that well. He finally diagnosed her with a gallbladder infection and started giving her stuff to retain fluids. Mm. As Didn't we he know see now, how bloated she was? She was so uh, bloated, poor we, girl. Yeah, uh, as we know now, she, you know... That was the wrong thing to do. She would have needed dialysis. Um, Which was not there at the time. That was was not available as treatment. No, she couldn't have gotten a kidney transplant or dialysis. Jean would have died either way. No matter what Mother Jean had done, even though she did the right thing. But even if she hadn't, there would have been nothing to save Jean. Poor Jean was doomed. She she was. So um, on the third, Louis B. Mayer starts to get kind of worried about Jean, and he sends over his own personal physician. Unfortunately, this physician had leaked a bunch of stories about Paul Burns' penis. Jean mm. and Mother Jean had known it had been him, and so Mother Jean said, you can't come in here. We're Christian scientists, which obviously the Christian scientist thing was just pulled out whenever whenever Mother Jean needed it. Right. But it's very evident that she never would have refused medical care for the baby. But she told him that because she didn't want him working on it. And there, you know, or he didn't, she didn't want him working on Jean. I shouldn't say she, it. she didn't trust him because of what he had yeah, done pr- previously. Exactly. And there's probably some things, you know, about control and stuff like that. But I digress. At the end of the day, she said, I don't want anything to do with you. At this point, Jean had gotten a little bit better. She started reading Gone with the Wind on June 3rd as well. And of course, she would famously go into the hospital and a nurse would say she's not going to get out to finish it. Um. Mother Jean started sensing that something was very, very wrong because Jean really wasn't getting better. So she finally called Dr. Chapman um, on probably the night of the 5th and said there's something or yeah, probably the night of the 5th. And she said there's something, you know, wrong with Jean. She's not getting better. So Chapman, you know, sat it over, you know, and everything, and he's thinking about it because his new wife, you know, doesn't want him to go. But he finally just feels horrible, and he goes. He goes in, he smells urine, and he knows that she has kidney failure instantly. Because she isn't urinating, right? Because, like, Clark Gable bent down and gave her a kiss, and he later said that she smelled like urine when she kissed him because she was not you know, eliminating the toxins. They were all just building inside of her. Right. She had a bunch of uric acid in her bloodstream. And so that was coming out through her pores Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, coming out how it should have been. Mm -hmm. Um, She entered the hospital on June 6th. She goes into, you know, her regular room at Good Samaritan. They perform two blood transfusions on her. And they put her in an oxygen tent, and unfortunately, they shave her head. And one person who was in there would later recall that she looked like a bag of bones when she. Why did they shave her head? Um, just like for testing and stuff like that, and to also help like keep her cooled down. I have never read that. (laughs) Yeah, I know. William Powell obviously had to see her like that. Stin goes into, you know, a lot of this in his book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- this guy had gone in, you know, he, he was a Hollywood person. I can't think of his name, but he had gone in with William Powell. But this guy's wife was also friends with Jean. And he told his wife, you know, you were like lucky you didn't have to see her this way. Um, finally, on... Um, June 7th, they put, Gene falls into a coma, and they bring out and they put four oxygen tanks on her in the hopes to revive her, and it doesn't happen, and she passes away at around 11 a.m. Was she by herself? 
she she wasn't by herself. Her mom held her hand the entire time. That's good. Um, and of course, William Powell was completely devastated. He just could not, you know, handle seeing Jean like that. And you know, it, it's obviously it's very depressing. But she had been in so much pain for where you know roughly ten days at this point that. Probably the kindest thing for her was to pass away. Yeah, that was mercy for her. Yeah. Um, so on June 9th, Jean's funeral was held at Forest Lawn Memorial Park, which is in Glendale. Um, she was given, you know, a private niche. Unfortunately, you cannot go visit it. Um, that doesn't mean that people do not attempt to go visit, you know, her gravesite now, but it is, you know, exclusively for families and you have to be on a list. And it was a very private way, you know, for her loved ones to say goodbye. Was it a mausoleum? You mean it, it she's is. in a mausoleum? She, yeah, she's in the, um, yeah, she's in the mausoleum and she has, um, if you go in there, you can actually go into the mausoleum. You just can't go where her grave is. Mm. But you can go to uh, Forest Lawn and you can ask to see the Last Supper stained glass window for anyone who's ever out there. And you can walk through the mausoleum, but you have to go and look at the window. Like I said, that doesn't mean people don't, you know, break out and go do their own thing. But if you are caught, you can get in trouble. So I'm not telling anyone to go do that. Yes, you don't. Um, we don't want anyone to get arrested. Yeah, yeah. But it was like a twenty-five grand funeral, which would have been an outrageous sum, and William Powell paid for it. Correct? He he did, and she had um, she had fifteen thousand dollars just in floral tributes sent from you know friends. What fans. a waste! You know, the thing about flowers at funerals, you know, when I croak. I'm, I, and I've already written it down. Don't send me. I love flowers, and I buy flowers every every week because in New York City it's easy. You know, it's at the, the the Korean market or whatever. You can get it anywhere. And when I croak, I don't want people spending all this money. I can't. You know, buy it. Buy me flowers now so I can smell them. Man, I'm dead. You know, it seems obscene to me. I know it's a sign of respect. But it's also just seems so weird. Yeah, the, it, it is. It is definitely weird. Um, but you know, everyone you know sent her a bunch of stuff. Everyone sent a bunch of flowers. Everyone wanted you know their stuff. And then, of course, after everyone left, those flower arrangements got completely destroyed from fans trying to take you know souvenirs from it. Um. You could see him totally destroyed at that funeral. Yeah. No, I I think pretty much everyone who had been close with Gene was just absolutely devastated. The studios, uh, every studio took a minute of silence for her. Um, Supposedly, you know, those who had to be at work at MGM said that you, there were no, not a sound was spoken for three hours in the commissionary. Yeah, I've read that tons of times because they were so stunned and shocked and. Yeah. And, you know, Jean was just genuinely a nice person. She was. And, you know, this book, this uh, coffee table book, you see how young she was with freckles and her writing she wrote a book also in her lifespan that didn't get published until when 60s yeah she wrote um today is tonight um it's about a woman who is married to a blind man and she discovers she can make a lot of work like being dancing at night you know participating basically in the burlesque Mm -hmm. and um so she starts telling him that the 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 daytime for you know people who can see is actually night and nighttime is day hence the title today is tonight and that way he doesn't know that she's dancing and he thinks that she's going to a day job Mm mm-hmm um, she wrote this book between 33 and 34. There are some people who think she didn't, you know, write it. I 
tend to see no reason for it not to be her. It's not the best written book, and I'm not saying it's horrible or anything like that, but it did need some polishing up, and I, there's no way a ghostwriter did it. It is definitely Jean. Well, what um, I read was she had a co-writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I haven't, personally, I haven't found anything to support the idea that she did have a co-writer. Maybe she did, but she was on suspension during this time, which was, you know, like mid to late 33 mm-hmm. until January of 34. And it's wow. a pretty short book. Yeah. So maybe she didn't have anything really to do with her time. I wouldn't, you know be shocked if she had just written it she also produced a beauty column during that time for newspapers some of her tips are actually you know pretty relevant today i think i posted it on my facebook page one of her beauty tips yeah no they're great i have a couple on my website too i absolutely i a lot of them are pretty modern actually Mm -hmm. um but yes you're right the book didn't get released until 65 um it oh, it was, was the that, movies, right? After the movies came out, they kind of yeah. want to say, now this is the time. Right. And Mother Jean had passed away by then. And she had given the publishing rights, you know, to some family member. And the family member finally released it. Um, when Jean died, her estimated net worth was a million dollars. Um, but... It sadly was not. She was worth about 129000 which is nothing to sneer at. But, you know, when you look at the fact that she owed 76000 in back taxes, I mean, that that's pretty extreme. It is. And the fact that she worked her butt off and, well, listen to that. I said butt off. Did you hear that? <laughs> this is New York City. Sorry, guys. Anyway, um, she really did. But. In reality, as much as Mother Jean loved Jean, uh, she and her Mr. Oily Suave dude took all Jean's money. Yeah, no, you know, obviously, like Mother Jean, not that Catalina's far, but of course, Mother Jean's doing everything first class, and you know, that's who's... You know, Jean's the one financing Mother Jean's trip to Catalina, and she's the one buying the houses. You know, and she did, you know, the $50,000 settlement with um, Slime Bag. With Bello for, yeah. you know, Mother Jean. And it's, you know, people tend to forget about that. It's just how much, you know, Jean was giving. She was a very generous person, especially to the people she loved. And you know, everything she- I read is that the crew loved her. Everybody loved her. At first, they there would be some sort of um, kind of hesitancy because they'd think she would be a snob, but Jean was not. She was just like a regular Joe, and they loved her. Everybody loved her. She did, and, it, you know, it's very easy to see, you know, why everybody loved her. Um, Mother Jean ended up having, you know— Kind of an interesting life after the baby died. Uh, Louis B. Mayer agreed to pay her a salary for a number of years. I wow. think it was seven. And he said that she was, quote unquote, a talent scout. And he gave her $137 a week for seven years. Wow. Um, you know, Mother Jean had. A very difficult time with Jean's death. After Jean died, Mother Jean started dressing like her. Oh, no. Really? Um, yeah, she just, she's styling her hair like Jean. It, it, it's kind of weird. Was she drinking as well? Um, I don't think she ever drank like Jean did, but she just, she kind of went off the deep end. She and lost I think- it a bit. Yeah, she loved, you know, Jean so much. And for Jean to pass away, I just don't think she could handle it. You know, what Uh, parent could at 26 years old, this beautiful, and I don't think Jean's beautiful. I love her look. I love, but I am so impressed with her talent as a comedic actress at such a young age that so many people, not even close today, could be like Jean Harlow. There will never be another Jean Harlow. She was amazing. There, 
there won't there 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 really never can be another gene harlow um mother jean ended up going into the hospital in 1958 she went into good samaritan which of course is where her daughter died and she did it on the 25th anniversary of her daughter's wow um she ended up passing away four years later how old was she when she she, died she was only 69 she died of a heart attack and she was buried with jean it is unmarked, and no one came to her funeral. Oh, no. That's so uh, horrible. That really is horrible. I know they, William Powell, All he bought the thing, and there were three spots, one for Jean, one for Mother Jean, and one for William Powell. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it never got used. And how heartbreaking that not – so Mother Jean wasn't even dating anyone or having anything with anybody to go to her no, funeral. No, her, her life really became about preserving the baby's memory. How sad. Um, you know, after the baby – I think this perfectly sums up their relationship. After the baby died, you know, she said to the press, to the world, we were two people, but really we are one. My life began when her life began and was completed when she went away. And, you know, I think that that is just the perfect quote to summarize how Mother Jean felt. She looked at them as being one person and, you know... Harlene Carpenter could never get away from that. And that's why she chose the name Jean Harlow. And, you know, they, she was just never going to get away from her mother. And her mother was never going to get over, like, how much she, you know, loved her child. Even if it was misguided, you know, she, she did try her best. And she did love Jean. Like I said, we cannot mm-hmm. deny the fact that she loved Jean. And Jean was amazing, and I love her. I watched Bombshell the other night. I love, like you, Red Dust is my favorite, but I've seen all of her films, and she, to me, what just amazes me is her vitality, her screen presence, and the ability to be funny and tender and all these things at this young age. She nailed it. She was amazing. She was. And, you know, there, there's a reason that she was, you know, quote unquote, the first blonde bombshell. She was just, she brought so much to the screen and she had this really amazing life. And, you know, she had a career that a lot of girls dreamed of, you know, it lasted roughly nine years. And, you know, then she's dead at 26. This baby. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's three years younger than I am now, you know, and and one can only imagine what Jean could have accomplished if she had lived. I know. And and you do imagine it's like people like Marilyn and me. I could never see Marilyn actually living it only being a real disaster for or, you know, I was talking about James Dean and he had interest in um film and directing and all these and Jean you just you know I guess it's their time but that's what made her an icon that what that's what makes her the first blonde bombshell that we're talking about tonight and I love Jean and I know so many people do and I post so many pictures on my webpage for her um she was something else and somebody said and it's true You know, on screen, so many people, they project this, like, bigger-than-life thing. And when you meet Jean, not only is she bigger than life on the screen, but in person, she she had such vitality and charisma that they were kind of blown away. I I think that is an excellent way to describe it. Great. Like, I have nothing to add to that. That is just perfect. I absolutely agree with you. So, everybody, um, I guess we'll end it at Baby Jean dying and Mama Jean, Mother Jean. And um, we're going to come back. Who's next on our, our list? Either May or Thelma Todd. Yeah, I, I think Thelma Todd's a good place to start because she starts about where, you know, Jean does in films and 
you know, may search just a little bit later. Yeah. So we have a really good series coming up for you guys. And I hope you all listen. And April, you are the B-E-S-T underlined best. I really love having you as a guest. You're wonderful. And I couldn't ask for a better person to do the Blonde Bombshell series with. I really oh, am thank grateful. Thank you so much, Grace. That means a lot because you are absolutely sweet and you are super knowledgeable. So thank you so much. Yeah, I mean it. I'm not trying to, you know, like, I'm not going to use any vulgar terminology, peeps. I love her. <laughs> I love her. We have fun. You should hear what goes on behind the scenes and how we have to edit. It's a riot. So we hope you like this. I love Jean. What a. And. Next time, we're going to do Thelma Todd, and I learned a few extra things about Thelma this week, which will be interesting. And, of course, you know everything Mrs. Storian about old Hollywood, and especially um, blonde shells or bombshells. Um, Tell everybody the name of your book about Jane. Oh, it's called Puff Felicity. Um, This is the first volume. The second volume should be out next year. There, there was a slight delay in that. Um, yeah, the, 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 uh, I guess we could save that story for next time. Yeah, but um, yeah, no. So it, it covers Jane's life from her birth until 1959, and then the second one will be from 1960 until her death in 67. The first one was really great, you guys. I love publicity, and all the pages are pink, and um. April has an incredible knowledge about everybody, and that's why I'm so glad to have her on. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. Next time, it will be Thelma Todd, and we're going to go through, um, because really, I don't think there were any bombshells in the 60s, were they? We're going to go through the 50s, 30s to the 50s, I think. So um, hope you enjoy this, and I know I did, because I love April. And thank you so much, April. You were wonderful. As usual, I love you. And we will be back with Thelma Todd. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Oh, perfect. Thanks, Grace. You were great. The gag may be waving the flag that began with the Mr. Cohan hip hooray. The American.